Get back in control with Off the Wagon, adventures in emotional eating, health, and weight loss. Each episode containing fork-sized mindset tweaks, perspective shifts, and lifestyle hacks to get you back on the wagon. Whether it's habit change, emotional eating, addictions, weight loss, willpower, or relationships, there's something here for you. So let's get on the wagon and get down the road to your goals with me, Christy R. Hall. Welcome to episode 21, where today we're talking about overwhelm as an emotional eating trigger. Overwhelm, it can be a general state of being for some people. I know for myself that I have stages and phases that I go through where I'm feeling terribly overwhelmed. Um, It's like a cycle where sometimes I feel totally calm, cool, and collected. And then other times I am completely out of my mind with overwhelm. I can be overwhelmed, as I'm sure that you can, for any number of reasons. Many times the overwhelm is completely legitimate. Like I have scheduled way too much to do in my week and have created a situation where I have to rush just to get everything taken care of. Other times, though, the the overwhelm is kind of more Christy-made and completely made up. And what I mean is, is that it's more a constant running list of things that I make up to do in my head. At any point in time, if I pay attention, I'm my mind is constantly trying to remind me of something that I need to not forget to do or some new exciting idea or project that I really want to work on. I kind of joke around saying, you know, I'm, I'm an ideas girl. And these constant stream of ideas and repeating reminders make me feel pressured. Because it's like a boss that stands in my doorway asking, where's that report? Where's that project? Where are we on this? And he keeps asking, is it done yet? Well, don't forget this and don't forget that. And well, you know, so-and-so's waiting for it. And he disappears. And then five minutes later, he's back reminding you again. And at some point, You kind of have to tell your boss to get the hell out of your office because you're not able to get anything done. But you can't really do that with your mind. Although, wouldn't it be fun and super quiet if you could lock your inner voice in a closet for a couple of hours for some well-deserved peace and quiet? And these feelings of overwhelm, no matter where they come from, can send an emotional eater straight for the nearest vending machine with a handful of quarters faster than an Olympic sprinter in an attempt to achieve even a few precious moments of that peace and quiet, which, if we're honest, is really us just drowning out the sound of the voices in our head by the sounds of chewing in our mouths instead. And so, today 
I want to go over a couple of different ways that we can deal with and handle overwhelm. Some of these tips are going to be functional, physical, right? Things that you can do in your environment right now. And there's going to be a couple that are going to be directed more at the internal you, right? Dealing with what's going on inside you. So I want to start with the physical tips first because they are the ones that uh, we can take action on in the moment, right? As the overwhelm is happening. So first, foremost, one of the biggest contributors that I've experienced in my life is clutter. Clutter really contributes to my sense of overwhelm and anxiety. And if I have clutter at my desk or clutter in my personal space for any length of time, it can generate in me this anxiety that makes any other kind of overwhelm that much greater. So if, say, I have to be at my desk or in my office or even in my home for any length of time and I'm already dealing with overwhelm, it's worth five or 15 minutes time delay working on whatever project is on my plate to clear off my desk, to clear my personal space. I'm not talking about deep cleaning, you know, um, baseboards and getting cobwebs out of the corners that we're talking about getting things just a little bit neater, a little bit more tidy so that I can feel calmer and more organized. This helps me to feel like I can better manage what's going on around me. As a bonus, the few minutes of tidying something up can help you get your mind off the feelings of overwhelm. It may also provide you with a little bit of distance from the problem, whatever it is that you're trying to work on, that may allow you to gain some perspective on it, which may help you tackle the problem when you do sit down and start working on it again. The next tip I have for dealing with overwhelm, this one's going to seem a little bit counterintuitive, uh, especially if you are dealing with a little bit of procrastination and may be feeling rushed for time, but that's to go for a walk. Research has shown that just walking through a door can change your perspective. And I, I seriously and literally mean walking through a door. It can open up your mind to new ideas. Additionally, and this is one of my favorite things about it, it gets your blood moving and sends much needed oxygen to your brain. And that's going to help you think of new ideas, think of new perspectives, get a better handle on whatever it is that you're trying to tackle, whatever problem or situation. And I don't know if you've noticed, but I certainly have, how much clearer you tend to think and how much more focused you are while walking or pacing. I know that for myself, if I'm really struggling to tackle a big problem or if I'm feeling you know, emotionally overwhelmed about something and I don't know how to handle it, if I will go for a walk, a lot of times I will gain clarity and perspective on it. And that will help me understand what it is that I need to do next. What are my next steps? 
a breathing brain and body will feel calmer than one that is struggling and suffocating and you know not able to get the oxygen that it needs. Now, like I said before, I'm an ideas girl, um, so I've got a constant stream of ideas and you know brainstorming and oh wouldn't that be awesome things going on in my mind and because the ideas come faster than my ability to implement those ideas those can very quickly become overwhelming and so if you're like me and you've got a constant stream of ideas that you think would be awesome things that would be um, great to do things that could I don't know, help your family or generate passive income or help you with your emotional eating. It's very beneficial to do what I call get a parking lot. Um, and you might be saying, Christy, what the hell is a parking lot? What does that mean? And for me, like I said, the, the ideas come fast and hard and often. And so each idea that pops into my head sounds great. Sounds like an, an idea that I need to do and need to do now. And what follows that idea is the impulse to get started right now, this moment. And of course, in order to start working on a new idea, I have to stop working on my current idea or my current project. And what that means is, is that if I continually stop and start projects all the time, I leave a constant stream of unfinished work just lying in my wake. And if you don't have a tendency to write these ideas down, kind of like I had a tendency to do, then your brain will be constantly in a position to, con to try and remind you, don't forget this idea, don't forget that idea. These were awesome ideas, don't forget them. And that constant stream of chatter can stress you out. So a parking lot is a piece of paper, a notebook, an app on your phone, whatever. It doesn't matter what method you use, but it's an idea, the concept that you can write it down, dictate it into your phone, whatever you need to do to get the idea down, get it out of your mind, onto a piece of paper, into an app so that your brain no longer has to think about it. It doesn't have to remind you about it anymore because you've written it down. Then every couple of days, you can either go through your uh, scraps of paper, your napkins, whatever it is, you know, or your, your app on your phone and filter the ideas into categories. Um, some ideas, because they are genuine ideas that you know need to become to-do items, you'll place them on a list of things to do with a date. Other things are just ideas that maybe need to be delegated to somebody else, or maybe they're not that great, or maybe now's not the right time, or maybe you don't have all the research that you need in order to do it, and so they may get filtered into another area to be thought about or played with later when you've got more time or more energy or you've done the research. Um, if you're familiar with the idea or the concept of getting things done, you'll notice there's a little bit of similarity here. 
The important part about this parking lot idea for me was to stop fighting my nature because I have lots of ideas. And in fact, I, I love having ideas. Having these impulse ideas, they make me feel alive, whether the ideas are good or not. And additionally, I'm a huge list maker through and through. Um, and I'm not going to stop doing that either because even though I don't like the overwhelm that my lists can sometimes create for me, I love the lists. I like making lists. I like crossing things off my lists. Lists on napkins are my favorite. And in fact, napkins are probably my favorite writing paper. So I'm not going to change who I am, but I needed a way to incorporate this behavior and this aspect of my personality in a way that wouldn't create more anxiety, more overwhelm, and more negative or unpleasant emotions for me. And so it's entirely possible to create, you know, these thought lists or parking lot items on little scraps of paper and then do the management of them in some, some sort of online program, app, bullet list, bullet journal, or software. Um, you don't have to be so rigid with yourself that you have to always make your lists in the same way. For me, trying to make all of my lists exactly the same way every single time backfired on me because I didn't always have a napkin. I didn't always have, you know, a piece of paper. I didn't always have my phone. And so I had to make modifications to the way that I was creating my lists so that it didn't become cumbersome. I wasn't stressed out about not having my phone with me or not having something to write with. And that made having ideas and writing them down and keeping my lists much more fluid and a lot easier for me to deal with in a way that didn't create overwhelm. And occasionally when I'm thinking about things to do, I can always go back to my list. In fact, I have in my, you know, list keeping app, I have sections for boredom busters, right? Things to do when I can't think of anything else to do. Things to do when I'm trying to not eat, or I have that uh, urge or that craving to go eat, right? Which for me can be a signal that I've got an emotional issue going on. I'm bored. I don't know what else to do. Or I have lots of things to do. I just don't want to do them. So you can use lists and, you know, these idea generating moments that you have to create lists of things that will help you on your emotional eating journey. If you're struggling with uh, boredom eating, you can create lists of things that you can do when you are bored. Um, if you are struggling with too much to do, you can create a list of what I call constructive procrastination, things that you can do that will make you feel better. You know, there are habits that we have like sitting on Facebook or Pinterest or things like that, that they are distracted. They may be able to keep you from eating emotionally, but they don't really 
help you in any other way. Things like cleaning out a closet, vacuuming, going for a walk, weeding the the front flower bed, those are constructive things. Yes, they are absolutely chores, but they are constructive things that you can do, right? Procrastination that will that will allow you to do something, put off your emotional eating behavior and actually feel better about having done something other than eating. So with that in mind, I want to move now towards the more internal things that you can do for yourself when you're dealing with overwhelm. These may seem, well, at least this one, this one tip that I have to share with you today, it may seem a little bit woo, right? It may be a little bit out there and that's okay. I want you to be open-minded. It has a little bit of basis in hypnosis, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, Hypnosis has been very beneficial for me for a lot of my clients. I use it with a lot of them. And the truth is, is that most of the time you already have the answers within you. And so this little exercise is based on that concept that you already have the answers within you. And so the next time that you are feeling overwhelmed, I want you to take a nice deep breath in and close your eyes and think about your overwhelm. Think about that sense of overwhelm. See if you can notice where you feel it in your body. Notice any tension, any tightness. Notice where it's physically located. See if there is a color associated with it or a shape. Notice if there is a feeling or a fear that happens to also reside in that place. Now, Once you've identified that, I want you to go back to the earliest time you can remember having that same feeling. The earliest age where you can remember feeling overwhelmed. Once you've identified that younger age, I want you to come back to this current age, the age that you are now. And looking back, reflecting on that earlier age, What would you tell that self to help them or to help them deal with that situation? What advice would you give them? What would you say? What would you suggest? And so part two of this exercise is is to move forward in time to when you're, say, 80 or 90 years old and have that older version of you help you and coach you with where you are now? What would that older version of you tell you? How would they suggest that you handle your current situation? What would they tell you to do about your overwhelm or your procrastination? 
And so using this concept of reflecting on how you would instruct a younger version of yourself to handle the situation or a similar situation, and then moving forward in time and reflecting on how an older version of yourself would handle your current situation, you're kind of able to access your inner guidance and your inner wisdom, which we all have, and coach yourself through these feelings of overwhelm. When you reflect on how you've grown and how you've changed from that younger version of yourself, you've probably come to a place where you realize that those things that you worried and stressed about back then aren't really that important. They weren't that important. And it's very likely that your older self would probably tell you now that some of the things that you're worrying about right now or that you're feeling overwhelmed about right now probably aren't that big of a deal. But this is a very effective tool if you're able to utilize it in coaching yourself through your overwhelm. I noticed that a lot of the people I've coached who feel overwhelmed feel that way because they're confused. Mostly because they're not sure of their next plan of action. And so you can use this same tool of moving forwards and backwards through time to determine what your next steps are. You can... Um, you know, travel forward, you know, six months or a year into your future to a point where the solution has already been obtained. You've already attained it and you've achieved the goal and then work backward along your timeline, determining the steps that you took in order to achieve that goal. Again, the answers are almost always within you. You have that wisdom and inner guidance. And so you can use this idea, this concept, this exercise, which has its basis in hypnosis, to determine your next best steps. And that should eliminate some of your overwhelm. Once you have this action plan, you'll know what steps to take. And that will uh, hopefully eliminate some of your feelings of overwhelm. The last tip that I have for you today as far as dealing with overwhelm, and this is kind of a tip that, you know, I sort of mention in every podcast, and that's to be gentle with yourself. Understand that you are human. We are, all of us, imperfect. We're all doing the very best that we can. In each and every moment, we are making the best decisions that we can with the information that we have. And so you never have to follow anyone else's rules. You never have to live up to anyone else's standards. And in fact, you must always do what works for you. And, you know, take the bit of information that works for you. So if If today I've provided you with a tip or a trick that will work for you, then take that one and integrate it into your life. And if I've provided you with one that you know is not going to work for you, 
then you know what? Let that one go and don't worry about it. You don't need to stress and strain and worry and overwhelm yourself trying to make all of these tips and tricks work for you if they obviously don't. It's really about creating a journey and a path and you know a life and a lifestyle that you can live with each and every day that will bring you you know closer in alignment with who you are who you are meant to be and allow you to find space to learn to love yourself and to find that self-compassion that I think that we're all trying to find right abandon those um, standards and expectations that are applied to us from outside of us so that we can realize who we really are, um, who we're really meant to be, and who we really and truly want to be in this life. Okay, guys, I hope that these tips and these tricks have been helpful for you today. If you have any questions or any concerns or comments or just want to share with me how you deal with overwhelm on a day-to-day basis, I would love for you to reach out to me. You can find me on Facebook at fb.me forward slash Coach Christy R. Hall or at my website www.christyrhall.com. Thanks so much, and I will talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye.